3: Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Welcome in to NBA Pulse, a production of iHeartRadio and the NBA. I'm Sarah Kustak, NBA analyst for the YES Network, and today is Friday, April 21st, and we it's a Friday. So, of course, we got to bring in a special guest, one of my favorite people on the planet, TNT reporter, NBA TV host, Jared Greenberg. JG, you've been on the pod before, and you were spectacular. I
5: can't believe you have people clapping for me. This is great.
4: Uh, Great to see you. Great to have you on. We obviously always see you all the time on television, uh, but you have been all over the place covering these very exciting NBA playoffs as we are well into the first round now with a lot of. Very interesting series, but before we get to a couple of those, let's touch on some NBA news uh, just taking place. Nick Nurse out in Toronto after five seasons, of course, leading them to an NBA title in 2019. Uh, The Raptors... With a 500 record this season, it's been widely speculated that the next step for Toronto could potentially be ime Udoka. Um, but frame for us uh, what what you've seen out of this uh, Toronto team and obviously Nurse no longer being there and what may be next for the Raptors.
5: You know, I, I think Masai Jury said it. I think he was pretty upfront in his statements when they relieved Nick the Nurse of his duties that, that this team needs a reset. Uh, there is a lot of Young pieces that uh, I think people didn't necessarily know how they would fit. I I was really bullish on the Raptors. I I had them as a a top five team in the East coming in this year. I just thought the amount of talent and athleticism and the way they created mismatches for teams. I thought that they would be much better than they eventually were. Not even making the playoffs, and and I think that the internally the organization thought the same. And and sometimes I don't I don't necessarily think it's a it's a, it's a bad mark on Nick Nurse. I just think sometimes people run their course within uh, an organization. So it's good that they get a restart. They have some very important decisions in free agency to make this year, particularly with their point guard situation with Fred Van Fleet. And I think we, we've all continued to hear, I mean, it started probably back in, in January or February, once we recognized that the Raptors were not going to reach their potential, that Ime Udoka is out there. And that is the name that I think most people expect Masayu Ujiri and Bobby Webster, the general manager, to land on. A guy who, uh, before he had the controversy with with Boston that that landed him out for the year, uh, was highly respected in his not only X's and O's ability, but his ability to connect with players. And he's got a great pedigree with experience having coached uh, in some great organizations. You saw him up close and personal in Brooklyn briefly, but obviously in the Spurs organization. And and I'm sure there will be other names that are sprinkled at some point because organizations like to do their due diligence. But but I would be probably I would say I'd be surprised if it was not Udoka replacing Durst in Toronto.
4: Yeah, going to be interesting to watch in, in, as different teams making different decisions here throughout the course of the postseason, those that are eliminated and no longer out is something that we will keep an eye on, but let's get to those teams still playing in the postseason in one series that uh, obviously I am close to, close to your your home background and uh, mm-hmm. in backyard in New York. The Philadelphia 76ers last night in Brooklyn uh, beat the Nets 102-97, the 76ers take a commanding 3-0 series lead, but it was an interesting game, in one of which Brooklyn put themselves in position uh, to potentially win this one, but it, it got interesting, and it got chippy right out of the gates. Uh, no question we see that often from a potential MVP in Joel Embiid, but uh, a couple scenarios throughout the course of the game early on, a kick by Embiid, which uh, ended up being called a flagrant one. Love
2: it up. Claxton and the foul, and Claxton goes down, and Bede stands up, and the
4: officials get in between them. Later in the game, and a technical on Nick Claxton later in the game, James Harden, if you saw it, was then ejected from the game uh, with an extension and a punch in the midsection of Royce O'Neill and Nick Claxton mean-mugging, and Bede then got his second technical, which then... Had him exit the game, so yeah. a, a lot of moving parts, a lot of things happen, and obviously a lot of scrutiny on on some of those calls. Uh, what what was your take on it in watching
5: that? Yeah, I, I think most people, particularly on the heels of what we saw the other night in Sacramento with with Draymond Green being ejected, I, I don't think they're apples to apples. I think there are differences, and I, I but I do I was surprised. You know, one of the things you hear from from Monty McCutcheon um, when he's teaching us in the media about the rules and how they are adjudicated is so much about you are responsible for your own extremities at all times, um, regardless, oftentimes of why you're doing it. And, and I don't think that Joel Embiid had a, a justification for why his leg would flare up. Um So for me, I was surprised that it was a flagrant one. I I think the bigger story in this one for me, though, moving forward, if I'm the Philadelphia 76ers, regardless of what happens with the series, because as we know, when you're up 3-0, you've never lost the series. But Sarah, you saw this. Joel Embiid hit the floor, what, 10 times on 10 separate occasions, I think, at at least. And several times came up limping. And you just have to wonder... That knee, the foot injuries, the back injuries he's had. Is he physically okay to move on uh, in, in this series and then obviously beyond? So I, I think the Sixers want to make quick work of the Nets here and get themselves as much work, uh, as much rest before the second round uh, because regardless of whether the NBA comes back and hands down a suspension in retrospect or whether they leave it as is and, and say the refs handled it on the floor, Um, To me, the the bigger story of this one is, is Joel Embiid physically okay?
4: I think that's a tremendous point um, for you, one in which we talked about throughout the broadcast, because even from the start, it felt like he was laboring. The amount of times he hit the floor, he twisted his ankle a little bit. He went down pretty hard, grabbing his knee on one play, of which then he was you know, just not running. His gait was not the same. The Nets had been double-teaming him throughout the course of the series, um, so that's a big part of it, but ends up with a 14-10 and game and so I think overall just for this group for as much as we have talked about the 76ers trying to get past the second round um not doing so the last five years feeling like this is their best group their best team the time that they need to show that they can be title contenders is going to be really interesting to watch and we know health is always a g- big component of that especially when it comes uh to Joel and Bede. you brought up the Draymond Green suspension so let's get to that game uh-huh. Golden State Warriors back at home without Draymond Green serving the suspension uh you Yet they dominated Sacramento, and the Kings had won the first two games of this series at home. Darren Fox has been exceptional in, in was, again, 26 points. He was just a rebound and assist shy of a triple-double. Sabonis with 15 and 16, uh, but not much from the Sacramento bench. And then on the side of the Warriors, Steph with 36 points, uh, 20 for Wiggins. Everyone contributing. Kayvon Looney, 20 rebounds, 9 assists.
2: it's a line drop short. There's Looney again. Another offensive board. Two more points.
4: What did you see out of the Warriors and for as much uh, enthusiasm, deservedly so that we had at the start of the series for what the Kings were able to yeah. do at home. Now the Warriors uh, who have not been a good road team throughout the course of the season uh, coming back home and in really handling this Kings team.
5: Listen, if you're listening to, to Sarah Kustak's podcast, you're a hardcore NBA fan. So c- can you give me the Liberty here? I want to discuss a few different aspects of what you just went into. Cause there's a lot, but, but I, I, you, 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 you had a, a very special smile on your face when you said Kevon Looney. Can we, can we deep dive into him real quick? Yes. Yes. So I had a conversation with him before game two. I was doing that game. And I should have buddy. brought that
4: up. Yes. You've, yeah. you've seen, you've seen yeah. this series. I was, there, from- I
5: was there for the whole incident. I was right there when the whole Draymond Green Sabonis thing happened. Um, but, and I was disappointed that I didn't get the opportunity to tell the story on the air on TNT. So I'd, I'd love to tell it with, with your audience on the podcast i think this is one of the cooler ones so kavan looney told me he goes i pride myself as the best defensive rebounder in the league and i believe this is speaking as looney that sabonis is the best offensive rebounder in the league so for me this is an extra special challenge that i take real personal and then i had him revisit 2015 ready for this this is Pac-12, 2015, or college basketball season. Looney is at UCLA. They play Gonzaga in the regular season, and then they play them in the NCAA tournament. Both times, Gonzaga, with Damanis Sabonis coming off the bench on that team, that's how loaded Gonzaga was, they beat UCLA. So I said to him, I said, what do you remember about that? And he goes, it's funny right before this series started, and Looney doesn't say much. He's not, he's not a very outspoken person. He goes, Jared, I got to tell you, my AAU coach back in Milwaukee called me right before this series and said, Looney, just remember, he puts your butt out twice in college. You better go get him this time <laughs> around. So Looney had a big smile on his face, and he's all excited. He, had, he has so much respect for Damanis Sabonis and how good he is. But I am just so happy that this dude got his shine last night because another conversation I had with Looney was he is the anti analytics guy in 2023. Most evaluators, if just going by the metrics, would never want Kalan Looney on, on their team. And this is a dude who has much more of an offensive game. When he was coming out of high school in Milwaukee, he was never a center. Nobody ever thought of him as a center, he was a four. He, he grew up playing, you know, everywhere from the one to the four in high school. And then in college at UCLA was a, a four. They made him into a five out of necessity at Golden State. And then last night, he's the only serviceable big they have with, with Draymond Green out. And this dude is dominating the glass.
0: Kevon Looney
5: had six offensive rebounds in the first half. He's got seven now and it turns into two points from Wiggins. He could be on most other teams a guy that can go get you 18 to 20 points a night, and eventually develop an outside shot. But because he plays on arguably the most dynamic offensive team in the history of basketball with the two greatest shooters of all time, he never gets the opportunity to shine offensively, nor does he want to, and he's totally okay with it. So for him to go out and grab 20 rebounds, hand out nine assists last night, and dominate because that's what they needed from him, I'm just so happy for this dude, and, and I'm happy that people are going to get to recognize what he brings to the table for this team.
4: I love it. I love it. That's great stories, and like you said, uh, it's, it's fun to watch because there's nuance in a lot of the players that help a team be a championship-caliber team uh, that aren't necessarily just putting up right. crazy points. All right. We are taking you back to your backyard. New York Knicks. Let's go. The Garden. Is it going to be rocking tonight? You better believe it. They host the Cleveland Cavaliers with the series all tied at one. We will get to that right after the break.
0: Did you ever play the over-under game with your friends? You know, think I could eat that slice of pizza in under 30 seconds? I know I did. If you have, then you're going to love Pick 6, the new fantasy game from DraftKings, an official partner of the NBA. Here's how to play during the NBA playoffs. Pick between two and six players and choose if they'll have more or less of his stat. Rebounds, points, assists, and more. Download the new DraftKings Pick 6 app now and use code DKHOOPS for a shot at huge cash prizes. That's code DKHOOPS only on DraftKings Pick 6. The crown is yours.
1: Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18 plus in most eligible states. Age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Pick six not available in all states, including, but not limited to, Connecticut and New York. For up-to-date list of states, visit dkng.co slash pick six states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com slash promos.
2: What's up everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith.
3: And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Welcome back to NBA Pulse. Sarah Kustak joined by Jared Greenberg and... We came into the playoffs uh, anticipating what would be the most exciting first round series, and one of those that we had highlighted was the Cleveland Cavaliers and the New York Knicks, and it has not disappointed. The Knicks took game one on the road at Cleveland, uh, 101-97. And then on Tuesday in game two, the Cavs uh pretty dominant at home. 107 90 win over the Knicks. So series turns back here at the garden tonight. Uh what are you looking for in this game uh, between these two teams?
5: Well, number one, New York's gotta take care of the basketball, right? They they've got to uh, they've gotta be a better shooting basketball team. But Sarah, like I I, I thought this series I I, I you know, thought that this would be, I think like most people, a six or seven game series. I, I picked coming in Cleveland to win. I was a little surprised how game one went down. And then I, I didn't see a blowout coming in game two. I, I think it'll be very evenly matched. Um, but I, I, I think too, like what did Donovan Mitchell takes 30 shots in game one and it made me scratch my head. Um, and And the reason for it was One of the reasons why I felt like Donovan Mitchell was in the All-NBA conversation, maybe you may have, have had him in the fringes of your MVP conversation, is because he, I felt like, evolved as a player this year. Oftentimes in big games with the Utah Jazz, we would see him turn into this volume shooter where he would just forget about what got them to this point, and he would not get his teammates involved. And I think game two, he got back to what made Cleveland so successful this season. And it's not by him taking 30 shots. There may be an instance where he has to take 20 shots. There may be an instance where he by far is the leading scorer. We know the dude is capable of scoring 71 points in an NBA game. But this Cleveland Cavalier team. As much as they rely on their defense, they rely on a balanced offensive attack where it's not just Donovan Mitchell taking over. Now, for him, as you know, he gets a little bit amped up coming back to the Garden because that's where he's from, growing up in Westchester County, just outside of New York, growing up a big New York sports fan. He's a big Mets fan, by the way, which I don't know you know, if, he, if he's just overwhelmed by how well the Mets have been playing. But um, – I would expect Mitchell to be a little bit more, I would hope, like he was game two than he was game one because if he plays the way he did in Utah all those years in the postseason, it's not a good recipe for the Cavaliers.
4: Yeah, to your point in game two, Mitchell, a efficient 6 of 11 from the field, had 13 assists. It was Darius Garland that went off for 32 points. Um, Again, fun to watch, and all of these have been, as well, watching you. Two quick questions. uh, Crunch time. Yeah. Is that happening? Is that through the the postseason no. or no? Is that oh, just the man. regular season?
5: I'm 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 gonna cry already. We gotta wait till next season to get crunch time back on, on the NBA app, unfortunately. But but I don't have time for it right now, Coos. I'm I'm all I'm all over. You the, are
4: not, all over. Uh, and, and I'm I know, stealing
5: your guy. I'm stealing your work husband here.
4: You, you are, you're stealing Island Eagle. That's all right. He can teleport himself. So he was with <laughs> us last night. He's back with me tomorrow. Um last last question for you though. Yeah. Um, real quick, I do want to get to because you have been popping all over these series. Uh, Los Angeles Lakers series gets yeah. tied up. Um, no John Morant for Memphis in that second game. Yet the Grizzlies pull that out. What do you see in that series and, and with this Lakers team?
5: I just saw a, a Laker team, and and this is straight from the mouth of Darvin Ham, who I spoke to at halftime and, and did this report on TNT. Uh, on what night was it Wednesday night? I'm losing track of what day it is. What city I'm in? Um. Uh, he he just said we 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 didn't play with any energy. We had no urgency, and you saw it. Like, listen, Xavier Tillman, similar you know to, to the Kavan Looney situation. What do he have? He had 22 points, most points yeah. he's ever scored in an NBA game, most points since 2020 when he was um, at Michigan State scored 23 points in a game against Penn State. But like, no offense to Xavier Tillman, he's the third string center who even without their top two centers was not seeing rotation minutes at points late in the regular season, Anthony Davis needs to get back to dominant mode, right? Similar to to what we've seen throughout the course of Joel Embiid's career. There are ebbs and flows in these guys' career where you just scratch your head and say, why aren't you in takeover mode? Now, Anthony Davis, again, got nicked up. I don't know if you saw in that game, he got hit over his left eye, I think, and he kind of swelled like a boxer a little bit at times throughout the course of the game. They kept on having to go and dab him. Because uh, he was getting blood from it, but I would just expect a more dominant Anthony Davis. And the most curious thing we love the drama in the NBA. What will LeBron do will, to respond to Dylan Brooks, who called him old, and he doesn't he doesn't think that that LeBron could come at him. LeBron's never one of these guys. He's not Kobe. He's not MJ. And I don't mean this in a bad way. I think this is to LeBron's credit where he doesn't make things personal. He doesn't go out and try and do too much. He does exactly what his team needs to win. But you got to think there's a little bit of LeBron that wants to put Dylan Brooks in his place and check him. And and I just can't wait to watch that on Saturday.
4: Is he going to want to put 40 on him? It's going to be the question. We'll continue to watch. Uh, We will see you next On the screen, Jared Greenberg at 7 Eastern on Sunday when the Celtics visit the Atlanta Hawks. We'll see if the Celtics will be poised to sweep the series at that point as they play here this evening. But as always, you are the best, and we appreciate your time.
5: Coos, love you. Thank you so much for having me on.
4: NBA Pulse with Sarah Kustak is a production of the NBA and iHeartRadio. Please rate, review, and subscribe on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.